so it mm. happened again. Uh, we killed someone. <laughs> the episode you're about ready to hear was recorded before we killed someone. We do a profile on Donald Rumsfeld. Christine did a great job with it. I, and I, in between us recording in it, recording in it. Okay, I guess I'm making up words. And uh, posting it online, Donald Rumsfeld died at the age of 88 today. So, I mean, okay. DMX was, that was perhaps Shocking. More that was un- shocking. Untimely, you know, tragic. This is a man in his late 80s who maybe ruined a few things for some people. Uh, yes, absolutely. But, but but it's still important to note we didn't actively kill him. We just... No. I mean, it's... It, it's two. It's happened twice in a few months. Like, what's that's not a pattern. I'm. Uh, I'm going to be honest with the <laughs> listeners here. Uh, we're recording this segment uh, as the introduction to our alibi, actually, to show yes. that that we had nothing to do with this. Yeah, the silent third person on this podcast isn't Brian. It's my lawyer, who's taking copious notes. And, exactly. Um, of course, Brian is in hiding right now. Uh, the authorities are looking for him in connection with uh, with this unfortunate passing. Uh, and as you know, he would refuses like to, to apologize. So now exactly. that's catching up with him. So Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, you know, I, I do want to, on behalf of the Limbaugh podcast, I do want to say that uh, Brian Tuft is innocent of this and we fully support him. Uh, with however this shakes out. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, maybe, uh, can we can we squad cast in jail? Or is that something they don't let you do? Probably frowned upon. But, mm. I mean, if you pay the right amount of cigarettes, you can get anything. You know what I mean? It's shank or be shanked. Exactly, yeah. So, you know, uh, so have a listen to to a little story about a man named Rummy. And just remember that we uh, had no way of knowing he was about to die. Uh, and then some of our stats, right? Some of our stats need to be updated. Now there's uh, only three surviving distinction medal winners. Yes, that's right. Medals of Freedom with Distinction. There are three left. There's and... Buzz Aldrin. Uh, he is yeah. the last remaining member of Apollo 11. There is Colin Powell, the... General, one of the first prominent non-white military generals in the United States, and our current president, Joe Biden. So there are three living Medals of Freedom with Distinction winners that are still alive. Uh, So we've had two that have passed away uh, pretty quickly, back-to-back, Michael Collins and Donald Since we started this podcast. Yes, yes. So I think, you know, maybe next week we should do someone who's already dead. Just just to, huh. right, be safe. So that's all we have to say. And uh, if you have any other questions, please contact our lawyers. <laughs> uh, you can contact us on Twitter, at Limbaugh Podcast. Sure. Yeah. Coming okay. up. Fools rushing. It's the Limbaugh Podcast show. Christine Clay, you know, and guess who drop on by? Oh, 
Limbaugh, episode four, folks. It's a show about the Presidential Medal of Freedom, who's received it, who should receive it, and maybe a couple who shouldn't. I'm Clay Russell. I'm Christine Sear. And I'm Brian Tuft. On today's show, we have a profile on uh, who Christine is referring to as Rummy Rumsfeld, uh-huh. Donald Rumsfeld. Uh, guest Gary Aturio will tell us his picks for the Presidential Medal of Freedom and his Limbaugh. Uh, I believe this is the first person to come up with an imaginary Limbaugh, so stay tuned for that. Ooh. And we'll also have our Medals of the Week. Yes. First up, uh, I thought that we'd start with, because this is a very rare category for the Medal of Freedom, a uh, Medal of Freedom recipient with the distinction passed away since our last show. Apollo 11 commander Michael Collins passed mm. away. Uh, he uh, was the person who, when Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong landed on the moon, he was the one that uh, stayed orbiting the moon while they did that. So then he could, uh, reattach the Eagle, uh, and, and everyone could get home safely. He, I believe I've done some research on this. I may correct this on the next show, but I believe he may be the youngest medal of freedom recipient. He was 39 when he received it. Uh, as far as I can tell, he was the youngest of the Apollo 11 astronauts. Uh, I think he may be the youngest. If you watch the movie, the Apollo 11 movie that just came out a couple years ago, he looks like a baby. Like, yeah. it's adorable. Yeah, if you haven't seen it yet, the Apollo 11 documentary, it's Ugh, on Hulu right now. It's so good. Yeah. it's. I think that's something that, that struck me. Christine, did you and I see it together? Yeah, at the um, Nighthawk, maybe? Yeah. yeah. The thing that, that stuck with me the most about that documentary and why he is very deserving of this medal is, you know, it's ingrained in history. It's uh, carved into stone that these guys were the first to walk on the moon and, and pulled off this mission. But this was by no means a sure thing here just the speed that they pulled this mission together and the fact that they were able to safely do it. And you realize it in the documentary when there are the shots at the beginning of the film, when they're putting on their helmets and all that. And frankly, they look scared shitless. They do. They're little baby faces. They look terrified of it. Like we might blow up in front of the entire world. Yeah. Like we all remember the, the ticker tape parade afterwards, but a lot these guys there was a good chance that they were going to their death uh to the point where president nixon had a speech prepared to deliver to the united states if they didn't make it back uh you could look it up online it's actually really good william sapphire wrote it thank you <laughs> credit the speechwriter christine nicely done <laughs> well done name drop the speechwriter always but yeah very deserving of the medal uh he yeah. received it with, again, Neil Armstrong and, and Buzz Aldrin with distinction, uh, I think very deserved of that prize. Uh, and uh, just to tie it together with today's show, there only are four living Medal of Freedom recipients still left, uh, who is Buzz Aldrin, the, the final living member of Apollo 11, uh, Colin Powell, Joe Biden, and uh, a little preview, the person who Christine will be profiling later, uh, Got to admit, not sure why Christine's person, Donald Rumsfeld, deserved the Whip Distinction Award. We're going to talk about it. Good. Thank you, because I do have questions. 
I do have to say, though, I feel like Michael Collins had the most relatable role in the Apollo landing because, like, (laughs) many of us will never know what it's like to walk on the moon, but we have all dropped somebody off outside of a restaurant to pick up takeout and then, like, had to drive (laughs) around the block until they come back (laughs) out and line it up perfectly so that they just run out of the restaurant and back into the car. So, I mean, truly, like, I feel like I was there through him. And remember, too, that whenever he would circle on the far side of the moon, like all communications were cut off. So he was, you know, by definition, the loneliest human being ever. Just no one to talk to, no way of communicating with anyone, just by himself for days. And that Pink Floyd record hadn't come out yet, so he didn't even have a soundtrack. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I have to say he's also, I think, uh, which he does not deserve because of all the things that you've already said. Um, he's like everyone knows there were three guys. I feel like he's the one like on a trivia question or something. He's the one that everyone forgets. Mm-hmm. And to be Absolutely. fair, like Buzz Aldrin, Neil Armstrong, like those are kind of epic. Incredible names. names. Yeah. And then Michael Collins is like almost Tom Collins. And it, I don't know. He's not even the first person that comes up in the Google search. It's the Liam Neeson movie, Michael Collins, who I think was like an Irish revolutionary. Oh, right, well, justice just for Michael Collins. Like <laughs> right? Wow. Yeah. So that- I did enjoy uh, this bit about him that when you see the documentary, when uh, they're putting on their spacesuits, he's cleanly shaven. And when you see the footage of the mission, he started just, on a whim growing a uh, space mustache when he was by himself in the, in the capsule and pretty much had that mustache for the rest of his life, which I think is pretty cool. It's a very like pre moon landing and post moon landing mustache. Right. Like the, uh, the sixties were really over when men could just have (laughs) facial hair and still be respectable. Yes, exactly. Mm. I Uh, mean, think about all the weird things we did in quarantine. Imagine if you were on quarantine on the, dark side of the moon (laughs) like yeah like i'm sure there's other stuff that he tried out there that just didn't make it into the routine no one was there to talk him out of it you know right yeah should i grow a mustache (laughs) houston he became one of those people who called it advertisement and then was like oh that'll never fly i I gotta draw (laughs) that Uh, did that probably i'm sure that like he tried to set a record for like the most zero gravity somersaults when he was by himself there (laughs) but there'd be no way to prove it you know right yeah Devastating. Like, he may have the record and we'll just never know. But he knew. He knew. <laughs> um, yeah, so Michael Collins, R.I.P., and you definitely did. You were not remotely a Limbaugh. You deserved that uh, with distinction very much. Absolutely. I think on the, the high end of someone who deserves a uh, with distinction award. So we're going to get whiplash later in the episode, but yes. Yes, <laughs> yes, we will, Christine. Yes, we will. Uh, before we carry on, are there any uh, corrections or comments from the, the previous show? I just wanted to clarify something. Uh, this was a this was a self own. Uh, uh, what do they call it in sports? An unforced error. Mm-hmm. Um, somehow I started talking about gurneys and stretchers last time, and I, I looked it up. Okay, so the stretcher is like more of a battlefield, like, search and rescue operation. It's just the flat part with, like, the handle so that two people could, like, carry it and go get someone that's, like, not accessible, right? And a gurney is, like, what you think, like, what they put in an ambulance. It's got the wheels. It's got, like, a whole thing. So um, 
I just I know that it's been a really stressful couple weeks for everybody because I left that question hanging mm-hmm. last time, and so I, I just wanted to make that clear. I feel like uh, someone wanting to put Mike Pence on a gurney would probably be the nicest of the things that people were uh, I know. storming it the Capitol It was a gallows. I was thinking, I don't know. You know, yeah. I, I have a lot to apologize for from last time. I, I wouldn't have been able to know what the word gallows meant either. So, yeah. It's That's okay. like colonial America yes. type stuff. And or... once again, we're never going to top uh, the first episode's comments and corrections, which is inadvertently killing DMX. Yeah. So I'm sure like one person was minorly, in, you know, chuffed by, not chuffed, why do I even try to introduce new words into my thing? Just, I'm not, we're not, I'm not using SAT words anymore. On that note, when we come back, Christine with a profile of Donald Rumsfeld. Rumsfeld, who I will almost exclusively be referring to as Rummy, uh, got a Presidential Medal of Freedom with distinction at the age of 45. Um, So we have entered the Gerald Ford presidency. Uh, Fascinating time to be looking at. I mean, don't you guys feel like the Gerald Ford presidential era is kind of like like a little bit of a blind spot, at least for people our age, because it's after so much drama, mm. <laughs> right? It's like JFK, Johnson, Vietnam, Nixon, like all the, you know, and then it's like, oh, Gerald Ford. It's very much the Sunday morning hangover where you don't want to do anything risky or exciting. Yeah, and that okay. was kind of, I mean... And and his post, he actually lived for a pretty long time after the end of his presidency, and he kind of just did the classic elder statesman, didn't really cause any trouble, blah, blah, blah. So, so um, Gerald Ford's class of recipients are really an interesting group. I'm kind of looking forward to, like, coming back around to him a few times because it was actually not... This one was just so fascinating I had to pick it, but he he made some interesting picks. But okay, last thing about Gerald Ford before we actually get on to Rummy. Do you know he's the only person to date who has served as both um vice president and president without being elected to those offices? Oh wow. So that tracks. Great fact. Like, you know, when people are like, ooh, I didn't vote for him. Literally nobody voted for him. <laughs> nobody voted for nobody. him. Nobody. Right. So yeah. he's the Robert Moses that. of presidents. Think about that. Yeah. Um, all right. So Donald Rumsfeld, uh, so to be fair to the, um, spirit of this podcast, uh, Donald Rumsfeld, so he was awarded the medal in 1977 at the end of Gerald Ford's presidency. Um, and he's literally still alive. He's 88 years old and it's 2021. And so, um, we're just going to kind of do the deep dive on his career up until that point. Uh, feel free to make little snip, you know, snide remarks about what comes later. But um, the interesting thing for me reading up on Rummy was that his early career, like, wasn't that bad. I mean, you can ju- you can judge for yourself, but, like, I, you know, reading up on it, I was just, like, you know, like a coiled spring waiting for to be outraged by all the things he was doing. And it was just kind of, like, young Rummy was just kind of kind of a normie. It's not what, not what I was expecting. So you were looking for the 70s equivalent of the Iraq War. 
<laughs> and it and it's just not there. Yeah. I do feel like that's that's kind of a knock on this guy. So is it he did almost breeze through his life and just oh, didn't yeah. really give a shit about anything, whether, you know, he was a middle manager uh, at a pharmaceutical company or, you know, sending thousands of American soldiers to their deaths. Right. It was always I mean, he cared about something. And I think that something was Donald Rumsfeld. But mm. but so he was born. <laughs> Again, just to blow your mind about, like, how large he still looms, even though if you think about it, you haven't seen him publicly in quite a while, so I assume he's getting a little frail. Um, I did see there's a recent photo of him and George really? W. Bush. Yeah. Okay, well. Were they with Ellen at a football game? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> so this man, Donald Rumsfeld, Donald Henry Rumsfeld, was born on July 9th, 1932, in Chicago, Illinois. He went to Princeton, so obviously he was a smart guy. And then he just kind of had like a rich guy, young adulthood, even though I'm not sure he's particularly rich because he was just kind of dabbling in things. And I feel like that's something you only usually do if you're like you have a ton of money or no money at all. It's just like eh, a little of this, a little of that, see what happens. So uh, he did serve um, in the Navy from 1954 to 1957, and he retired at the rank of captain there weren't any major wars going on at the time. It seems like it was a pretty uneventful amount of service. But he did get the nickname Rummy while serving um, in the Navy. So at least we have that to thank. Rummy uh, did a little bit of investment banking from 1960 to 1962. Because of and, course he did. Yeah. And he was like, you know what? I'm going to become a congressman. And because he was a well-connected white man, he did. <laughs> So he was 30 when he uh, first entered Congress for Illinois' 13th District in 1962. Served for four terms um, and pretty comfortably. He obviously was a Republican. Uh, he comfortably won re-election each time. Um, and that was something, so his age, first of all, I think when when some, anyone kind of like makes a bigger splash later in their career, it's hard to imagine them being this like whippersnapper um, but like someone getting elected to Congress now at age 30, we're like, my God, look at this infant millennial in Congress. Mm -hmm. Um, it is, it's hard to believe too, that the oldest president of the United States was also the youngest Senator ever in Biden. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The careers are incredibly long <laughs> in our, uh, in our system, which could be good or bad, depending on who you're asking. Um, in terms of his congressional career, a few things to note. So one thing where I was sort of like, hmm, interesting. So he was instrumental in the, um, a little, and co-sponsored a little something called the Freedom of Information Act, which you may have which heard Which is of. just wild coming from that guy. Is what I'm saying. I know. I'm like, who, literally, physically, who is this person? There may like, have been Do you like, think the only reason he wanted to put his name to it is because the word freedom was in the title? And he, like, misunderstood, maybe. Right. But, I mean, that's such a big... Freedom, yeah, Freedom From Information Act. <laughs> he misread it. Um, I mean, that like, we still get breaking news due to the Freedom of Information Act all the time. Um, like, I just remember reading, like, a couple days ago, a bunch of Fauci emails were released due to a FOIA request. Um, like, this stuff is still affecting our daily life. And by the way... If your um, if your act that you co-sponsor becomes a becomes an acronym, 
and that acronym becomes a verb, then you know that it's like a big deal. So yeah. Yeah. if you get FOIAed, like I, I've heard people use it as a verb. Mm-hmm. Uh, not as then, not as cool as RICO, though, the Racketeering Act. That one yeah. just sounds cool. Do you know what I like, even though it's just two guys' names, is Sarbanes-Oxley. It's just mm. fun to say. Two other things I just wanted to know, because they surprised me, is that two things he voted in favor of, in in favor of, <laughs> were the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act. Because this was his entire congressional career was the 1960s, so there was a lot of stuff going on, and he actually. Um, and guys, I have to say, in all fairness, I went and looked at the like voting records. I don't have them in front of me, but a similar proportion of Democrats and Republicans voted against these bills. So things were not as like, you know, I know we're always saying that things were not as polarized now as they were back then, but um, a roughly equal number of Democratic. Um, votes were against um, civil rights and voting rights, as were Republicans. So, this was absolutely the era of uh, Democratic dominance in the South, and it wasn't necessarily from liberal policies, but from union support. And this was, you know, a pre Ronald Reagan era when many uh, Southern workers belonged to a union. Yeah. And actually, one of the people I almost picked for the profile was a big union guy that, um, that Ford awarded the medal to. Um, so yeah, it's good that you say that (laughs) clay, because I was going to transition into, um, so yeah, in the mid sixties, congressional Republicans like weren't having a great time, (laughs) right? They'd lost a bunch of seats. Um, I don't know. It, things weren't looking good, (laughs) but they didn't know it was coming. Waka waka. Um, so but getting, was very much what the Democrats were like in the 2010s. Yeah, it was just sort of like a low point for them, and they were kind of not. Um, I think maybe some of these big sort of social issues. Certainly, I don't want to use the word resolved because they're still not resolved, and it's so much later. But you know, like the the stake in the ground on some of these big, you know, civil rights acts and things like that. It's sort of like, well, you know, like what are we? What do we stand for now? What are we doing? Um. So getting back to my earlier point of like these young upstarts kind of like coming in and, and shaking up the place because uh, Congress was not always a retirement home, which is incredible. Um, it's yeah. So are you have you guys ever heard the phrase young Turks? Yes. OK, so do you know who they were? This is the era of the young Turks of which. um Rummy was a member, and guess who else was a member? Joey B. <sighs> Gerald Ford. <laughs> Jerry Ford. Future Jerry, president. Yeah, not, not, right. J- yes. Different old white guy, Clay. Try to keep them straight. Sorry. Um, and apparently no one can, like, trace back where exactly they came up with the phrase Young Turks. Um, but the inciting incident, you know, they sort of became um, originally a loosely and then a slightly more... Um, organized kind of caucus. Um, and their um, inciting incident was Lyndon Johnson beating Barry Goldwater in the 1964 presidential election. And they also were not doing well in the House. And it was just like, okay, guys, like, what are we doing? These old guys are clearly not, like, making it work. So the um, the House minority leader at the time was a man named Charles Halleck. 
H-A-L-L-E-C-K, who I'll admit I'd never heard of. Um, I mean, this era in American history is not exactly my um, forte, but um, they were sort of like they, the Young Turks kind of lobbied amongst themselves to get this guy out as minority leader and to get Gerald Ford in. <laughs> and it worked. Um, so this was part of Gerald Ford's kind of rise to prominence that eventually led him to the presidency, um, which is also kind of quaint in hindsight, like, oh, wow, the idea that like achieving the presidency was something that you had to do all this sort of long-term chess maneuvering (laughs) to get to the presidency instead of just like shrugging and saying you want to run for president and winning it's weird the whole thing's Mm. weird Mm. um yeah so if you're starting to get a sense of you know why did donald rumsfeld get essentially a lifetime achievement award uh at the age of 45 um perhaps it's starting to come into focus which is that gerald ford kind of felt that he owed much of his um you know his ascent to power to to the Young Turks in general, but um, Donald Rumsfeld being Donald Rumsfeld being kind of the most uh, animated of them and getting him to be the leader of the party. Um, I do think that that Donald Rumsfeld is an incredibly intelligent person. I just don't necessarily see someone with an actual set of beliefs. I look at him as an opportunist. And I think that it was, I think that he, you know, saw where the wind was blowing and the direction that things were going. And he, you know, very much so. I look at him like a Paul Ryan. I think that, that he sees where things are happening and yeah, he'll just, you know, lay low for a little bit and then come back up when, when things die down. Mm-hmm. Well, um, Nixon put... Ford in charge of the um, Office of Economic Opportunity, which was created during um, the Kennedy administration. It was part of Johnson's Great Society program, and some people wanted it to just be eliminated. And he was like, no, let's have Rummy kind of like shake things up and and rethink this uh, program. And he actually like did. (laughs) Um, So anyway, before you know it, uh, Ford's president because... (laughs) I don't know, Nixon uh, had other stuff to do, I guess. Um, And Ford almost immediately um, appointed Rumsfeld the White House Chief of Staff, which um, I think we all know is a pretty powerful position to be in, if that weren't enough. Speaking of, uh, sorry to interrupt, but we have to mention the quote that was captured in the Nixon tapes about Rumsfeld, because I feel like that, uh, that is very much a summary I will read it. In March 1971, Nixon was recorded saying about Rumsfeld, at least Rummy is tough enough and he's a ruthless little bastard. You can be sure of that. Very true. Yeah. I do wonder, I kind of see some qualities of Donald Rumsfeld in a Pete Buttigieg. I think Pete Buttigieg does have uh, more solid beliefs then Rumsfeld, I don't know. What do you guys think about that comparison? I, you know, right now he's uh, the transportation secretary. What if he does just actually clean up the way that we fund these projects and and does something remarkable? I don't know. Um, the thing that I feel like he Pete has going for him is like he's just a big nerd. Like I feel like he will 
kind of get in, like if there's someone that I believe would actually have the patience and the, and the intelligence, honestly, to like do that instead of just talking about it. Um, I think he can do it. I mean, he's already Mm -hmm. set, like I was thinking about, um, his quote that like there's racism built into our highway system, which got like a lot of backlash, but is literally physically true. Mm -hmm. Um, And not even in Southern states. No. You can see it here in the city in in which we live. Yes. Um, I just, I know he wasn't necessarily like a transit expert. So when he got um, appointed to that post, not everyone, I mean, I wasn't necessarily thrilled, but it's just like, I don't know. I I have high hopes for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if anyone is going to really like be a um, Department of Transportation wizard, it is going to be Mayor Pete Buttigieg um, because he's gay. Happy Pride Month, everybody. And gay men are notoriously bad drivers. So if anyone is going to make sure that there is transit available to those people, like a high speed railway to get you to, I don't know, San Francisco Pride or um, Chicago for market days, I think it is going to be a white gay man. And therefore, if it's not going to be Pete, it's going to be Chastin at home being like, how are we getting to Folsom? So <laughs> figure it out. Yeah. Um, all right. Believe it or not, we're actually almost to the end of his pre medal of freedom career. So after being the, White House Chief of Staff for one year, the first year of um, Ford's presidency. Ford then um, <laughs> kind of like, so he had a massacre. It wasn't like the Saturday Night Massacre or whatever. It was called the Halloween Massacre, uh, which, Ooh. shocker, uh, Rumsfeld survived and became the uh, Secretary of Defense. Uh, in the same shakeup, George H.W. Bush became the head of the CIA. <laughs> So this is just like a little, it's like I have a high school reunion in reverse, right, guys? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and apparently they didn't get along, and um, I guess that doesn't surprise me at all, actually. Wasn't um, that a thing when Rumsfeld, whose name is Defense Secretary, it was a little, uh, it was George W. Bush giving a little F you to his father, supposedly? That wouldn't surprise me at all, because if yeah. you'll recall, Rummy had absolutely no, oh, maybe if people don't know that, after post Ford, there was nothing, no public role whatsoever for him until George W. Bush. So two entire president, Republican presidents, hard passed Mm -hmm. on Rummy. But W. was like, hey, you, you're back in the game. Um, So, guys, I don't know. That's pretty much it. And then at the end of, uh, I guess, 1977, uh, Gerald Ford handed Rummy a Presidential Medal of Freedom with distinction. I don't understand that. Like, I know that there are definitely, uh, there have been several cases of Presidential Medal of Freedoms being given out as thank you prizes. Uh, Donald Trump definitely did that with Miriam Adelson, who was the wife of Sheldon Adelson mm, for mm-hmm. cam- for contributing so much to his campaign. Right. But he didn't give her with distinction. And also, I feel like I feel like Ford wasn't crass enough to like do something like that. Most of his other picks are like, even if you don't agree with them, you you get it. It's like arts and yeah. There's a union guy in Jesse there. Owens, yeah, Lady Bird Johnson, and you know there are these very like classy picks, and this one was just um, he was it Ford's final year. Is that is that correct? 
I'm looking here. So, yeah, Ford said I wasn't running for re-election. So, yep. yeah. It was on his way out. He was it was like the it was like the Limbaugh thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um I do I think uh I think that this very much uh for the first time in our show, I think that that this is a profile of someone who probably deserves more of the Limbaugh than definitely. the Medal of Freedom. Yeah. And it's um I mean it's funny because in some way like the things we've talked about in general and then as we go through each winner and stuff is kinda like does this person embody American values and how do they, and was this the right choice? And did it make sense for this particular president at the time? Um, you know, and, and the previous people we've talked about, it's been like, you know, um, artistic or creative work or like perseverance or innovation and like, yeah, that's what America is about. Um, and I feel like rather than American ideals, this is like American reality, which is people, scratching each other's backs. Um, I guess it's worth mentioning a bunch of white guys um, getting into positions of power and then using them to benefit each other. Uh, mm. That's actually pretty American, unfortunately. Uh, but no, this is a Limbaugh. I, even if you're a... You're, uh, does this phrase exist? If you're a Donald Rumsfeld fan, uh, you're probably <laughs> a fan of what he did later in his career, the idea that he received this at the age of 45. Um, and this is like, yeah, the a plus plus of the award is getting it with distinction. And the only thing I can really see again, like his, his early career was pretty not ordinary. I mean, he accomplished a lot, but like not noteworthy and nothing terms extraordinary of like, and nothing to further American value. Effing Michael Collins had to orbit the moon to get one of these. <laughs> Yeah. At the age of 39, and at 45, Rummy had, like, been in Congress and, like, done some backdoor dealing to get um, Gerald Ford into a leadership position that then made him an attractive vice presidential candidate that then made him the president. Like, it's just, like, so, okay, I guess. Yeah. Uh, this is almost, like, more Limbaugh than Rush Limbaugh and the fact that he got it with distinction. Yeah. Then... In 1977, this man right. is still alive, and it's 2021. Yeah, he's about ready to uh, have doubled his life since yes. he received the medal. And, like, my God, he, he still had a lot of his life's work to do, believe me. Yeah. Believe me, Jerry. So what I was going to say earlier, but Mr. Softy was parked in front of my house, is that... Um, <laughs> yeah, I did notice he got Second episode, quiet. huh? Uh, he he knows when we're recording he's like it's time to come everybody <laughs> yeah. wants ice cream except Brian. here we go <clears throat> um is essentially in my mind rumsfeld coming out of retirement after kind of like i i, I don't know enough about him to label him as unproblematic but like the way that history views the gerald ford pre uh, presidency is you know like christine said it's kind of like or as you said clay like the sunday morning hangover of presidencies and before we get to, like, the real exciting, like, Nixon 80s. Um, but to me, Reagan the idea... 80s. Reagan 80s. Yes. Oh, my God. Could you imagine? Nancy Reagan <laughs> married to Richard Nixon. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad for both um, of them. Yes. Okay. So uh, before we head into the Reagan 80s, and I think the idea that he came out of retirement in 2001... Uh, to go work for George W. Bush would be like if Jack Nicholson had come out of retirement to star in Cats. Like, <laughs> it's just, 
It makes no sense. He had a great relationship with a president. He was involved in all of this kind of like, you know, really accomplished stuff. And he could have just skated by as this guy who, you know, achieved everything he was going to achieve before he turned 45. But I think like when... Uh, Walker Bush called him and was like, I may have a job for you. I think the idea that he was like, this is great. I've been, I wasn't ready to get off the carousel. I'm going to jump back on. And unfortunately, like, I know the Bush presidency gets overshadowed by the Trump presidency in terms of being terrible. But I mean, every so often you will see a think piece come out from like the New York Times or from Vanity Fair that says stuff like, you know, George W. Bush can't paint his way out of this one. And like, the idea that this man was like, I'm coming out of retirement after, I don't know, 25 years, and yeah. this is what I'm talking... Th- this is the wagon or the horse I'm hitching my wagon to is just... It's baffling. Like, because I think that we see it now as a limbo because we know how... Um, terrible the Bush years were going to be and that he was instrumental in that. Um but I think if he had not done that, and it was just like kind of like a footnote of like 70s Republican politics who were not uh, tied up in the Nixon uh, drama, I think that we would look at it a little bit differently. Um, the other thing that I'd be very interested to revisit is what it must have been like when George W. Bush was enrolling or enacting these terrible policies and was like, oh, Freedom of Information Act. Where did this come from? And like looking at like, you know, someone like telling him and then like him like looking up at Donald Rumsfeld and like being like, oh, and I just I feel like there's so many parts of like the Bush presidency that he was essentially in charge of doing the opposite work in the Ford presidency. It's baffling. I don't know. It, like I said, I was so ready for his early career to be like riddled with outrages. And instead I was just like. Just a white guy who failed upwards. Kind of. Yeah. 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 And then thought he could just fail up one more time and like really just failed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I I do think that the Trump administration was a far worse presidency for the United States. But with that being said, Nobody could waste the country's GDP like Donald Rumsfeld. Just the amount of just wasteful, just Mm -hmm. throwing away taxpayer dollars. The Bush administration just completely eclipsed everyone with with the Iraq war and and, uh, the the tax cuts to corporations that that were not needed and basically defunded the country's infrastructure with the consequences we're dealing with right now. Mm hmm. Yeah. Maybe Pete wouldn't have such a conundrum on his hands if uh, they hadn't botched it so badly. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So Donald Rumsfeld, who Mm. would this person be today? Well, I'm mad at you because you kind of already slipped up and said the person I picked, which was Paul Ryan. Yeah, I think Paul Ryan is a solid uh, choice. The only difference is, like, Paul Ryan retired and, like, disappeared during the Trump administration. It would be like if Donald Trump Jr. became president and then uh, Paul Ryan was like, I'm coming out of retirement. This is going to be different. (laughs) Um, But I think that that is a solid uh, pick. I do think that Paul Ryan, at this point in his life, it would probably be about where Rumsfeld was when he received the medal, though. He's waiting for his second act. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we've seen the last of him, is I guess what I'm saying. He gave a major policy speech last week uh, talking about moving on from the Trump years. He very much is ready for his second act. Just uh, we'll see if the American people actually give it to him or not. 
Yeah. I'd like to think that politics was his second act and then he'll go back to his first act and like open a restaurant because he talked a lot about like how when he first got to Washington, he waited tables. And I, I would love to visit a Paul Rudd uh, or Paul Rudd, Paul Ryan <laughs> I traditional wish. fiscal conservative theme restaurant. Yes. <laughs> what what would they serve, Brian? Um, I well, you'd only get half. <laughs> the other half would okay. go to unnamed billionaires who are eating in the private dining room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> nothing too spicy, nothing too uh, foreign. And there's mm-hmm. no safety nets. If you choke in the restaurant, no one gives you the Heimlich. They just let you die. Sure, it's a free market. My apologies to Paul Rudd. I said I would never apologize on this podcast, but confusing <laughs> Paul Rudd and Paul Ryan, that is truly unforgivable. Hey, we got him, even Christine. A, I'm not we even a Paul him. Rudd fan. I was like, we're going to hear from his publicist. This is right. going to be a mess. <laughs> but nobody deserves to be confused no, with Paul no Ryan. No, one. And with that, great profile, Christine. We, uh, we finally got our first profile for somebody who deserves a Limbaugh. So well done. When we come back... Gary Aturio represents Italian-Americans the best way possible. Gary Aturio is a Brooklyn musician and producer who's played for bands like Shapes in Calgary, Clap Your Hands, Say Yeah, and Savoir Door, and He's produced and engineered records for Belmar, Psychic TV, Wakey Wakey, and Jukebox the Ghost. He's a in-house producer for Studio G in Williamsburg, and he's just started a production room as well. So uh, get in contact with Gary when you when you want to record something. But for today, he is the president of the United States, the first president from Rhode Island to help us pick the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Uh, I would like to start, Gary, with a movie pitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a sequel to Zero Dark Thirty. Okay. okay. It's going to mm-hmm. be another political thriller. Mm-hmm. Tense, throbbing soundtrack. Mm. Uh, the team's back. Okay, mm-hmm. Jessica Chastain. She mm-hmm. is uptight, as always. She is focused. She's barking orders to subordinates. Mm-hmm. And sure. the movie's going to end with SEAL Team 6 hunting down and killing the writer of the song 1-800-CARS-FOR-KIDS. <laughs> okay. What do you think about this? What do I think about this scene? Uh, just or the, the movie this, this in general. Movie pitch. Just, it, it starts with like some of the kids from those shitty musician kids from the commercial being tortured oh, in a black shit. I mean, site. They, shitty? I mean, those kids, they, they got pipes, dude. No, they don't. Come they, on now. They're they not are. even playing their instruments, and you know that. Wow, you're going hard on these kids, I guess, huh? I hate those children. Do you hate the children, or do you hate the song, Clay? Uh... Both. Okay. Both. Fair. Fair. I just, I just, I, I would, I would like, if those kids go on to do other things, I'd, I'd hear what their second, you know, what their sophomore. Uh, you would hear their is. second single. You would actually. Exactly. Yeah. Cause who knows who, you know, I don't think they write their own material either. I think they need to get better writers personally. Of course not. They're not even playing their instruments in the commercial. Yeah, I mean, that's I, true. I think that you're going a little bit too soft on the 1-800-CARS-FOR-KIDS. So they're kids. really the villains in this movie. Yes, and so this is what I picture. So at the end of the movie, uh, Jessica Chastain, she is at the end of her rope, okay? Mm-hmm. 
they tracked down a compound in like Wisconsin or something like that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, nondescript compound in the suburbs mm-hmm. of Wisconsin. Okay. Mm-hmm. Seal mm-hmm. Team Six busts open the door. Mm-hmm. Turns out it was John Bon Jovi that wrote One Eight Hundred Cars for Kids. Ah. And Seal so Team mass- Six. Did yes. he put together the boy and girl band? I guess we'll call this the boys and girls band. <laughs> that's that's the thing. Like that's the America's dark secret. He's like the manager. And Jessica Chastain just like she thought that she was done, and she keeps getting dragged back in. You're leaning heavy on the Jessica Chastain thing. Like she's a big part. Of I this, it like. love Jessica Chastain. Yes. <laughs> okay. And so yeah. I think like her hunting down and killing the one eight hundred cars for kids songwriter. I think would be a perfect film I vehicle could, for her. Yeah, I think she could be that. I could she she could be the person to put a bullet in his head. Uh, oh, like she would she, actually go on the raid. I, I like I that. Mean, why not? I mean, why not? Yeah. What, what is she calling the shots like from the hotel? Like, no, I think she's out in the field. Okay. All right. So she's graduated and she's actually working with SEAL Team Six. Yeah, she's a she's a uh, a, a sealer. Uh, okay. What are they? What's the name of a seal? A sealer? Let's call them sealers. I'm pretty sure they're called the Navy Seals is what they're called. Gary. Uh, I don't know. Let's look that up later. You, you think they have like quirky nicknames for each other? <laughs> yeah, I bet like, they do, actually. Like one through six. Like it's just a six yeah. person team. Yeah. Like one of them's name is two bullets. <laughs> yeah. Mikey threes. <laughs> Mikey three shots. <laughs> yeah. Right. I think this is a good, good. concept. I'm, I'm glad that we figured this out. So. Mm-hmm. Gary, uh, how are you doing? How's how's your pandemic been? Are are you hanging in there? What what is it like for a record producer during a pandemic? Um, you know, it's really funny because I really, aside from feeling fear and people I love getting sick, luckily no one I no one I knew got COVID so bad where they had to be hospitalized. So that's good. But other than that, um, I kind of loved it. I kind of loved like an excuse to like take a year off kind of like, I mean, I, I worked like I was, I was mixing and I was, uh, you know, doing remote work. Um, but it was kind of great just like getting into video games and like, uh, and I built a computer. Like, I don't know, like it, it was, you it built was a, a fun- computer. I built a computer to play video games on. Uh, okay. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It was kind of great. So so you said, I'm going to build a computer so I can play <laughs> video games on it. Yeah, I know. It's it's kind of a, it's it's not a, I also had a kid. So right. I, built a, I built a person too. Right. You built a person and a computer, both of them to play video games on. Both. Yeah, both of them are, are named Lyle, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, it was, uh, it was, it was fine. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm not as much of a social outwardly person as other people. So for me, it was like, kind of okay. Like it it was, it was fine. And I was able to still do work from home. Um, Very cool. Yeah, I like it. All right. Should we get into it? President Stereo? Yeah, for sure. Well, so here's the thing. I will say I, I didn't realize that I'm the president, but I like that. Mm-hmm. You have to be the president to pick the Medal of Freedom. That's like I the understand. Thing. Yeah. I understand. So here's mm-hmm. the thing. I picked it p- partially because this is the first person that par- popped into my head. Also, mm-hmm. because this is a person who I think both 
let's say my predecessors, President Trump and President Biden, would have picked, are probably a, fa- a fan of, this is probably the only unifier. So both Trump and Biden are fans of this person? Probably. And it's not a horse? <laughs> it's not a horse, but it's okay. kind of a horse. <laughs> okay. I picked Rodney Dangerfield. Ooh. Because, beautiful. You know, what What symbolizes America and freedom more than Rodney Dangerfield? Like, yeah. the man gave an entire boomer generation dad jokes about hating their wives. Or being hated by their wives. I wonder if a comedian has ever been awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom. I could picture him, like, just think of his speech. Like, accepting that, accepting that medal. Like, I think... Just self-depreciating, it would, it'd be amazing. Yeah, it would kill. It would kill. It yeah. would be his like ultimate, uh, his ultimate send off. I mean, to me, no one dislikes Rodney Dangerfield. Like right. you might, you might think he's. Uh, I don't even think anyone thinks he's lame. I mean, I he's because he. I, I would also say, Rodney Dangerfield. Like, well, so the Presidential Medal of Freedom. I feel like should also be awarded based on some sort of sacrifice, right? Mm-hmm. Rodney Dangerfield has sacrificed a lot by committing to that bit for a very long time. Like, he he did not break character for 50 years. Like, that's right. incredible. Yeah. Like, how? what must it have been like to be around him? You know, he was probably dying inside, but he was like, I got to stick to this bit. This is like, this is my whole life. I can't stray from this. And, you know, and he was I, also, he was a singular character as well. Like he, uh, I, I can't think of anyone to even compare him to in terms of that, that type of humor. Oh yeah. I mean, well, there were offshoots, but they all, I feel like the offshoots of Marty Dangerfield were the people who got lame. It was mm-hmm. like the, uh, see, now I'm going to start to like, not be able to like, like who are those like New York gritty uh, one-liners from like the eighties? Uh, and they got sticky as well. Yeah, know? super yeah. sticky, and, and like super like misogynist, and mm-hmm. like whereas Rodney Dangerfield, like he, <laughs> I guess, could be interpreted as misogynist, but he's also like he hates himself. That's the thing, like all of his jokes, even if it was, you know, I hate my wife and all that, it it would always come back to him being the actual. Yes, it's his fault. It's it's his fault that his wife hates him. And -hmm. I think that's that's the whole thing. It's like, you know, we're 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 men. We're all idiots. And yeah, we hate our wives. I I don't hate my wife for the record, but (laughs) there are men who hate their wives. And it's, it's because they're fucking idiots and right. like they, they don't, they, they're not, you know, they're not in tune with their wife's emotions and they're not, they don't, they don't understand the needs and, uh, of, of their wives. So their wives lash out and, and then, you know, that's when they realize that, well, sometimes they don't realize it, but I feel like it was people like Rodney Dangerfield who made us all realize that maybe. 
to some extent. He was also, I don't know, maybe uh, I feel like with him reaching prominence in the 1960s and, you know, I'd say his career was from the 60s to the late 80s. It was almost that commentary of uh, the white American male and like expressing a little bit of doubt amongst themselves. Right. Because yeah. so much of the United States in that time period was, you know, this strong image and, and unceasing and all that. And he kind of gave that voice to people of of doubt. I see uh, in 1989, uh, George H.W. Bush awarded Lucille Ball the award. Would she qualify as a stand up? I feel like she'd be more of like a television personality, right? She got it. I didn't realize that. Yeah. 1989 and Johnny Carson got it in 92. Wow. Look at this class here. All right. 1992, uh, Johnny Carson, Ella Fitzgerald and Audrey Hepburn. Wow. He, uh, he knew how to pick them. Yeah. It's surprising actually that yeah. H H W would have knew, would have known how to pick them. He probably like had somebody, you know, pick the, pick the medal recipients and then he just kind of signed off on it. Right. I feel who like else? he'd be the type of guy who, like, wouldn't get into that. Like, Trump got into his choices. <laughs> Obama definitely did with, like, Michael Jordan and Oprah Winfrey. Are, are, they usually, um, are they usually living, the recipients? It could be, yeah, it could be either way. Uh, okay. I'd say for the most part they're still living, usually at the end of their lives. Okay. Uh, but, for instance, uh, Donald Trump awarded, I think it was Elvis and Babe Ruth. Because, you know, uh, you know, I feel like two people who haven't been celebrated enough in America (laughs) is Elvis and Babe Ruth. So super (laughs) original choices there by that guy. I'm surprised he didn't give it to like Jesus Christ. (laughs) 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 Or like or like the Beatles, (laughs) like not even one of the Beatles, just like the Beatles, the Beatles, (laughs) also not American. He also they thought, thought they were the American. Beatles were one guy. Yeah. <laughs> like the they Be- were just <laughs> right. one American person named the Beatles. Yeah. Named the Beatles. <laughs> yeah. Who's the who's the youngest recipient? Do you have that data on you? I imagine it would probably have to be uh, the Apollo 11 astronauts because mm. they were awarded it with distinction right after they returned to earth. And they were all, I think like early to mid thirties. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Other than that, uh, two years ago, Trump gave it to tiger woods. Again, somebody who, you know, I feel like we don't celebrate enough. And uh, also and... who is like, has a lot of scandals <laughs> attached to him too. Like, <laughs> uh, well, that's, uh, you know, that's very, uh, in keeping with, with Donald well, Trump. He... Yeah, totally. He loves a good scandal. Here's a question. Do you think do you think Trump uh, expects to receive it at some point in his life? Like, do you think like he thinks that like there's going to be a president? It won't be Biden. And it's mm-hmm. not me. Mm-hmm. But somewhere <laughs> along not the me. line, it's not it's, President Aturio. President Aturio is not. I'm going to hold off on the Trump Medal of Freedom. Um, <laughs> but do you think he expects to get it? Like, I mean, because he's he's an ego maniac. And I, and I, I think like, he's got to think like, like, Oh, this is like, like, obviously I'm going to get yeah, it at some right. point, you know? Yeah. I do wonder because you, you are starting to see a trend of that recently. Uh, Obama's last medal of freedom pick actually was Joe Biden. 
Um, mm. I think that George W. Bush gave it to Ronald Reagan. Uh, okay. So there is a movement with that, but I do wonder who in the current Republican Party actually has a shot at the presidency, though. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, that's that's a whole another debate. Because, um, uh, you know, the the first Republican to win the presidency post Watergate was George H.W. Bush. And or no, it wasn't. It was Reagan. And like both Reagan and Bush very strategically when shit started to go down with Watergate, like kind of uh, stepped away from government for a bit. Mm, and so uh, I feel like there's going to be a little bit of that. The next Republican to win the presidency. It's going to be someone that we're not really talking about currently. Exactly. Yeah. Or I, someone I that stepped away like a Paul Ryan or someone like that. Mm, right. Because even Mitt Romney's a little too close to to things as of yeah, now. Yeah, I don't think he's getting it. Yeah. And all the Trump Republicans, I think, are, like, not distancing themselves from anything. <laughs> you think? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's in, that's interesting. I didn't realize that presidents had given other other presidents the president. That's a lot of saying the word president in one sentence, basically. other Presidents giving presidents the presidential medal of freedom. President. Giving precedence to presidents <laughs> by presidents. Yeah, who set the precedent for that? I mean, all right, President Atterio, Rodney Dangerfield for your your medal pick, mm-hmm. well deserved. Who would your Limbaugh be? So my Limbaugh would be um, Luigi of Mario and Luigi, because hold on, is this like an Italian thing? Are we about ready to get into an Italian thing here? Um, we, oh, we, we could go there. I mean, I, w- should, I, w- I should I step away from the mic? I don't want to get in the middle of this. Uh, do, do, do we need to record the hands as well? Like, is this, I don't know if the hands are going to really translate. Right. On, I mean, on... you really gestured wildly when you, when president Atterio <laughs> talked about his hate for Luigi. So here's the thing about Luigi. <laughs> Mario is always getting this the credit. Son of a bitch. But really Mario is always getting the credit. Everyone loves to talk about Wario. But you know mm-hmm. what? Lui- Luigi is the everyman. Luigi. He, he does the dirty work. He does the dirty work. Mario, he books the appointments. He says, it's a me. Like, great. What does Luigi Dance, say? Like, dances around, like, you know, but yeah. guess what? Like, you're a plumber. You have hard work to do. And you Mario's not do. interested in that. Yeah, yeah, Luigi's like, we got three appointments after this. Like, why are you fucking dancing around? Like, right. we, like we're, we're already behind because you like we're looking for coins like under the sink like it doesn't make any sense like right, yeah. Lu- we're Luigi not a party. Is the one. we're a business we're a like, plumbing business Luigi runs the Home Depot because Mario forgets the fucking uh the the the, the adjustable wrench right, so yeah I, I, like he I has think... an account with Home Depot because he has to run there so many times because Mario you know is off doing a song and dance routine when he should be unclogging a pipe he is the the immigrant uh hardworking, family-oriented, you know, supports his brother, even though he knows he's a little hard-headed. Um, I think, you know, he, he, he is a, he's a, ba- he's a, he's the best of the baby boomer ge- generation to me, you know? Okay. And it's I, about family as well. It's totally about family. He supports his brother no matter what. And, you know, all, all these all, other little offshoots like, uh, like uh, dry bones and, uh, toad and you know they're all part of the family i think luigi is like he's like the uncle that like if he wasn't at the reunion you'd be a little worried 
Mm-hmm. Um, cause he sacrificed so much. Yeah, exactly. But it's like, he doesn't bring that much to the table. Like he's not, he's not like, like Mario's sort of the face of the party. Everyone loves mm-hmm. They're toasting to Mario, but Luigi's, you know, he's cleaning up the dishes and he's, 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 uh, uh, bussing, bussing the plates off the table. And he's, he's like, you know, when, when, when Toad has a, an alcohol problem, you know, Luigi's the one staging the interve- intervention, I believe. Absolutely. Yeah. Whereas Mario is just like, you know, he doesn't, he's off partying somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I just think that he deserves a little love. Okay. Uh, I, I think he's going to identify Luigi as an Italian American. Do you, do you identify with him more than Mario? Um, as an Italian American, you know, I think, they are they feel about the same level of italian to me um so you're not in you don't think that they're they're a stereotype or anything like that oh not no not not at all that's uh you know uh you know i think mario is it's they really represent the two sides of italian americans right there's like there's the -the over-the-top uh italian and then there's like the tony soprano who's like very Mm -hmm. subdued but he's very wise and and I think those are really the only two Italian Americans that exist. I don't think there's really any other uh, subtlety or nuance to the Italian American uh, community. It's basically you're either a Mario or you're a Luigi, and uh, and uh, and I don't think anyone's going to get upset by that statement. I think that's that's pretty accurate, and you know I think you can boil it down to basically two fictional video game characters, <laughs> an entire an entire uh, race of people. <laughs> Well, I'm glad we're not going to get any any tweets about that statement. Good. Yeah. Thank you, President Ontario. <laughs> hey, I, I feel I, like I, you're I really going to carry a, that voting block. I need I need a scandal. So this is this is my scandal. Okay, this is it. Right? Yeah. I mean, no one's gonna no one's gonna uh, hate you for picking Rodney Dangerfield. So you know, with this one, right. at least there's a bit of, there's a bit of spice on that meatball. Oh yeah. <laughs> good. Hey, well, good choice of words. <laughs> I also believe I'm the first Italian American president. Am I correct in saying right? that? I don't think we've had an Italian American president. You may be right. First Italian American president, first president from Rhode Island. Yeah, there are no other presidents from Rhode Island. Buddy Buddy Cianci could have run for president, and wasn't he, he had... super mobbed up? Oh God, yeah. There's a whole there's a whole <laughs> podcast about. How mobbed up uh, Buddy Cianci is. Yeah, I saw a documentary on that guy. Yeah, actually, he would have been a good. He would have been a great Limbaugh. Someone needs to pick <laughs> him at some point because there's a lot of info. And I could, I could also see like a president like Trump picking uh, <laughs> someone like him because, like, Cianci. yeah, he's a little bit of a Rudy Giuliani where like he cleaned up Rhode Island, but like, really, did you? Yeah. At the cost of whom? By the way, I'm uh, watching a really good documentary on HBO that premiered this week called Crime of the Century. And something that we kind of forget about with Rudy Giuliani is that after he left the office of the mayor, do you know what his job was? Uh, he was a spokesman for OxyContin. <laughs> I am not joking. That, that dude... is not a joke. He was a spokesman for the health benefits of OxyContin. Like, did someone just like as soon as he stopped being mayor of New York City, did someone just like 
or I was just going to say like just removed a part of his brain. Yeah. Like, like, like the, the part of the brain that, that makes like good decisions. Like they were just like, yeah, we're just going to remove that. And like, <laughs> as, as an experiment to see how fucked a person could get by removing that part of the brain. Yeah. We're going to have Oxycontin hire you. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't surprise me. Uh, it would have surprised me like during, not that I'm a fan of even really Giuliani, the mayor, but like, I think he, he probably, he was way less controversial then. I feel like if when he left the mayor's office, if he just like chilled out and just like hung out at charity dinners for the rest of his life, he would be right. having parks and bridges named after him right now. Totally. Yeah, for sure. I mean, because in hindsight, I mean, there are people who love what, the, the New York he made. And, and to be honest, there's probably parts of it that I love too. Um, but you know, then he became all fucking that shit kooky and, and <laughs> like at a monumental level. Yeah. That's good to know. I'm glad I just needed another reason to, to dislike that man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad that we talked this out. This was, this was very interesting. Rodney Dangerfield yeah. and Luigi, from Super Mario Brothers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- those would be my two, my two picks. And uh, also, I think they're they're both they're bo- they're two that I think both my predecessors could get behind as well. All right, Luigi like included. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do think that Trump would probably think that the Mario and Luigi were real people. Right. Actually, Trump is probably more of a Mario person, if I'm being honest. Uh, 100% he's a Mario person. Yeah, like he doesn't even know Luigi exists. No, not at all. No. Yeah. He focuses on Mario. Yep. All right, Gary. So tell us, where where can people get in touch with you if they want to work with you for, for music production and, and everything else that you do? Um, you can. Uh, you can send me an email. Uh, my email is g-a-t-t-u-r-i-o at gmail.com. Uh, if you Google me, Gary Aturio, uh, my, I have a Tumblr that, that pops up that has a lot of, uh, links to my work, uh, including lots of and your discography. That, yeah. My discography, including many I did with clay that are actually some, some of my favorite uh-huh. records I've worked on. And, uh, oh, thank you. Yeah. So yeah, get in touch, make some music, talk about Mario. All right. Gary Aturio. Thanks for being on the Limbaugh. Thanks for having me. Okay, so we are back with our medals of the week. Um, But before we get into our picks, I figure we should have a little discussion. Um, Over Memorial Day weekend, I sent a text to our group chat um, instructing that we have an emergency pod, uh, which I was talked out of, thankfully, because I didn't have my microphone on me. Um, But on May 30th, 2021, the year of our Lord, the president tweeted... And sent me into a personal crisis, not just the news media, um, like Donald Trump would have on his Twitter. Um, Joe Biden tweeted, Army Colonel Ralph Puckett is an American hero. And then there was a 16-second video of him awarding the first Medal of Honor to a military service member. Um, I 
kind of poked around to see if I could find out more about Ralph Puckett, but unfortunately there was not much to be found. But um, Who is his publicist? Joe, Biden, Joe Biden's reaching for the medals, guys, <gasps> and it makes me very excited because I feel like we are getting closer and closer to the first class of Presidential Medal of Freedom recipients from Joe Biden. I know. I agree. I could see him being a big medal guy. I think he's going to get into it. I I have some like very like interesting kind of thoughts about it um because obviously uh, famously Joe Biden is the first president in medal history to have been elected president after receiving the medal um so I kind of have this and then it's not uncommon for a president to give it to the president of his party who uh was president prior to him so the idea that he could give it to Obama and Obama gave it to him. It's just like this, like really, like beautiful. Like uh, the only thing is, it's. I feel like if I if I'm aware that this could happen, Obama is aware that this could happen. And what made the Biden medal presentation so wonderful is that Biden didn't see it coming and was like blown away. So I I kind of love the idea of like him doing a um like a candid camera presentation and like you know like kind of ambushing obama on the street and giving it to him just because i think that that would be fun decorum <laughs> <laughs> be damned someone get billy eichner yeah exactly <laughs> ignore that motorcade going by for a dollar name a president like i just love the <laughs> by the way billy eichner's from uh forest hills queens thank you Ah, uh, I well, so it feels a little bit of a cheat, Brian. But the one I was thinking Biden might do is uh, Michelle because it's not a perfect system, but there have been what three former first ladies who have gotten um, the medal, and it's not the ones you would think. It mm-hmm. certainly isn't. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, that could be that could be a way in. You know. Like, Joe could throw off Barack by maybe doing, at one point, a ceremony and, like, giving it to Michelle and then, you know, like, lulling him into a false sense of security and then he'll have, like, a surprise one later. I don't know. Hmm. I'm interested to see if that happens because I know that Bill Clinton presented Rosalind and Jimmy Carter medals at the same time. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I love the idea of there being a his and hers uh, Mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. I could see just because uh, Joe Biden is self-professed to be very old school. I do wonder if he is going to go bipartisan and try to award it to a Republican elder. I just love the idea of him giving it to George W. Bush and him like peeling it off and being like, get up here, Michelle, this one's for you. And just like slipping it on her, like the way that she's always giving him candy at like state events. Ah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, my God, if Michelle gets it, I hope W's there. I don't know. Like, and I know that we're not, like, reforming his reputation or anything, but... He seems like, and I think this was his likability, and that's what kind of pulled the wool over people's eyes, is he does seem like he's a nice person that was unqualified for the presidency. Right, and then he let these, like, old-school guys swoop in, like Cheney and Rumsfeld, and... Oh, I didn't even... It didn't really tie in easily to my summary, but Cheney, Cheney was one of the vultures circling that entire time mm-hmm. that Rumsfeld was uh, in in uh, Republican power circles in the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't know, guys. It's going to be really exciting. I agree. I I wonder, and Brian, I'm, I'm interested if you have any ideas in this, that uh, 
You know, I think that the only major openly gay metal recipient at the time was Ellen. I feel like we're overdue for for someone who is an activist. I don't know if it would be someone involved in in AIDS awareness or what. But do you do you have any ideas of someone who would be worthy of a of the recognition of the Medal of Freedom? Well, I mean, you know, I think we should definitely, as the uh, podcast's token gay, um, the idea that we don't have like a Harvey Milk uh, medal. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be done posthumously. Of course. But like, yeah, those are the, uh, you know, kind of, a lot, unfortunately, all of the people who I think um, would be obvious choices, unless, uh, you know, he's going to call Mayor Pete into the office and, and, and look for some more deep dives, are unfortunately not with us anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, like, due to the AIDS crisis. But um, yes, I definitely think, um, I know Obama uh, really kind of, like, uh, made sure that, like, 39% of the people he picked were women. Um, and then he was also, obviously, the president uh, who picked... Um, the most people of color. Uh, that was like definitely something that played in his mind was to kind of recognize people uh, who did not fit the typical white male um, formula that a lot of the other presidents had stuck with. Uh, so mm-hmm. I'm very interested to see, um, you know, famously Joe Biden is really the reason we have gay marriage because, you know, they got him on a hot mic uh, being like, oh yeah, they should be able to do it. I love Will and Grace. And just like, you know, walking <laughs> to whatever ice cream parlor he was on his way to. Um, so and the rest I, is history. Yeah, pretty much. What about Barney Frank, one of the first uh, openly gay national politicians who was a congressman from uh, Massachusetts, I believe? Yes. Uh, you know, it's Pride Month. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna uh, police or uh, gatekeep who gets to get the medal. If they're gay, let's give it to them. I like it. Uh, one person that I thought of, uh, just because he is unfortunately at the end of his life, is uh, the civil rights activist and entertainer Harry Belafonte. I wonder if that would be someone just because you do were seeing the last vestiges, especially with the death of John Lewis, uh, the last vestiges of the civil rights movement. I wonder if there's going to be someone that's going to be honored from that. It's very interesting because like I I've been thinking about it a lot, but um, more in kind of like a historical context to see if I could pick up on clues. Um, so I don't have anything meaningful to say because if we all wagered a, like a long shot guess of who we thought was going to be, I swear to God on my list, I have Jerry Greenfield and Ben Cohen of Ben and Jerry's because Joe Biden loves ice cream so much. Um, so the oh idea that uh, you have these like very thoughtful, um, picks is like a little intimidating and also like not a conversation I am prepared to have. <laughs> but that's a great idea. Ben and Jerry. Because they're also, like, activists. Yeah. They take really good care of their workers. Yes. You know. Um, yeah. And again, like, I just, I feel like Joe Biden knows that that's the way to get an ice cream flavor named after him. Absolutely. Um, Biden my time. Like a slow-churned vanilla with, like, you know, I don't know, whatever the special treat in Delaware is. Zero taxes? I... <laughs> um... <laughs> I that's so great. I wish this was a video. We released the video because my face just lit up like a child because I love ice cream too. Um, damn it! You have to write to them, Brian. That's such a good idea. 
Like I remember last <laughs> summer um, when a lot of corporations who have otherwise done nothing were like, we believe that police brutality and racial inequality is unacceptable. And Ben and Jerry's is like, fuck the patriarchy, burn down the police. <laughs> like who's coming with us? Like they really like, they're so real and, um, and their ice cream is delicious. So and, you know, they're real people, unlike, uh, you know, Mr. Hagen dazs So, you know, that's uh, it's good to know. Yeah. You did just give me an idea. What if he gives it to George Floyd just as like a representation oh. of systemic racism? I feel like he's very thoughtful. He's very sentimental. Uh, like you said, he's nostalgic for this kind of bipartisan past. Um, I feel like there's no... There are obviously people that are, you know, like excluded, but I feel like it's a very wide set of candidates. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm also very interested because Dolly Parton has been offered the medal twice. Once uh, in the past at an undisclosed time. She's not sad when, but her husband was ill. So she had to turn it down because she couldn't go to the ceremony. And she was offered it by Donald Trump and she said no. And... Now, someone, like, I guess before COVID had asked her, like, if Donald Trump is not president anymore, um, you know, would you take it? And she said she's not sure because it would be seen as a political act. So I'm very interested to see because I feel like she's already said no. And then saying yes would be like when mm-hmm. I talk yeah. about this podcast with people and I ask them, like, who they would give it to. She's you like I would say, like, 50 percent of the time she's one of the first names out of people's mouths. Um, whereas I just, I feel like, you know, hating Bill de Blasio and loving Dolly Parton are the last two bipartisan activities you can participate in, in, um, I would say in America, but most certainly in New York. Um, and I think that, um, it's going to be interesting to see if, you know, uh, sweet grandpa Joe can talk her into coming to DC to pick up that medal. Mm-hmm. I love it. I would l- literally love to see it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. but Clay, who is your medal of the week going to? Uh, we also had a text chain going about this this week. Uh, <laughs> usually it's, it's something that, uh, I watched gives me ideas of the Medal of freedom. Unfortunately, in the last week, I've really gotten into eighties buddy cop movies. Mm. Uh, none of which have aged well, uh, <laughs> uh all I'm of shocked. them yeah, don't problematic. Say. The, uh, best Buddy Cop movie is Lethal Weapons, starring Mel Gibson, so I don't have anything further to say about that. Mm -hmm. Definitely not going to mention any of those for my Medal of the Week. Uh, I would like to mention someone who I think has a bright future for just being completely in 3D chess, which her name is Leona. She turned three this week. You can, uh, I'll post the link to the show. Uh, she wanted to have a birthday cake that no one else would eat. <laughs> so she oh decided to depict the scene where Simba's father is murdered and you see the corpse of a small lion at the bottom of the cake. I know that we've both predicted that she may become a serial killer, but... I think you also need to give credit where credit's due. I think that that is an amazing <laughs> idea. Three-year-old Leona gets my medal of the week. Thank you. Happy birthday, Leona. Um, Happy birthday, Leona. I can only imagine what next year will bring. 
I feel like the medal should really go to whatever artist at the bake shop put together I mean, those fondant It's the, incredible. It's lifelike. You can really see the grief on Simba's face. <laughs> Stunning. Uh, I can practically hear the voice of Jonathan Taylor Thomas screaming no in the background when I look at that cake. So was he the voice of Simba? Yes. yes. And Matthew Broderick was adult know Simba. That. Also, oh, wow. yes. Stick Nathan with me. Nathan Lane was uh, Timon. Who was Pumbaa? Yes. Uh, Somebody very borscht belt. Yes. <sighs> um, Christine, who is your medal of the week going for? Okay, I'm pretty sure mine's a real person, okay? But I don't know what he looks like. Okay. It's Simon from the Headspace app. Ah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. amazing voice. So, Clay Burnett Russell, like, five years ago, before anyone was talking about the Headspace app, because I'm a, I'm a tightly wound person, I'm, like, stressed all the time. And so he's like, oh, get this app. You can meditate for, like, five minutes or 20 minutes, whatever you want. This guy's got this great soothing voice, and, like, it'll just, like, chill you out. And I was like, totally. And I downloaded it to my phone and, like, never opened it. Um, like most things that Christine has and when I try to send her something. Yes. Okay, yeah. Honorable mention here does go to Clay. And I also just wanted the whole world of our listeners to know that uh, Clay is a hipster when it comes to this app because it's like, they have like a Netflix show now. It's like this whole thing. So there are more than one narrator for, and there's always Headspace, different... uh, contact us if you'd like yeah, us to do Spawn. Is, We're ready. not SpawnCon, but like <laughs> the, spawn. like people will hear the enthusiasm in my voice when I record your ads, just so you know. Yeah. Um, Headspace and birthday cake makers. Yeah. Hit us up. And it's just, um, it's like... For me, meditating, the challenge is shutting up my own brain, which never shuts up. And there's something about this guy Simon's voice that, like, you don't want to listen to anything else. Like, it's just a very compelling voice. So mm. if I find out he's some sort of composite, you know, like the way they made Siri, um, I'll be devastated because it sounds like it's a real person. And, like, he really wants me to, like, relax. So. I've seen a photo of this person. He is an Englishman. Uh, was a I think he trained to be a monk originally before he backed out. Uh, heavy on the V-neck T-shirts, which I feel like says a lot about him. I don't know. Oh, see now, you should never meet your heroes. I don't. Mm-hmm. I feel like I know too much now. I do have a new one for you, Christine. Uh, it is a sleep app, which is narrated. By it sounds like an old Scottish man, and so as you're dozing off, you hear this: "You're getting sleepy. <laughs> Shut your ears. Close your ears. You dirty Catholic. <laughs> you dirty, dirty Catholic. Shut your ears. I'll send it to you." Please do. Um, you may you may not go to sleep because you'll be laughing. Okay, good. Um, anyway, it just you know in in these tough times, um, I just wanted to shout out um, this possibly fake person who's gotten me through some, gotten me through the week. And Brian, that leaves you. So, um, as our um, listeners may have known, and by listeners I mean Clay's mom. Um, we Hi, had Barbara. to take a few weeks Hi, off while everyone was traveling. Um, so every week, I, like while we're recording, I kind of write down like who my medal of the week is uh, so that I don't forget. And 
I had a couple of um, ones that I wanted to shout out. Um, my first was Dakota Johnson for uh, finishing her crusade of ending the Ellen DeGeneres show. Uh, <laughs> Ellen has announced that she's retiring. Um, one of the I greatest award... nonverbal looks I've ever seen on television. No, Ellen, that's actually not the truth. Um, my uh, other medal the week after was going to go to Ben Platt because it does not seem like he is going to be winning an Oscar for his Sunny from Greece performance in Dear Evan Hansen. Um <laughs> I also wanted to shout out Jennifer Lopez, uh, who has clearly, like, beat the game and is just, like, revisiting her favorite levels. She was seen having lunch with Ben Affleck, who was her ex-fiance, and Mark Anthony, who is her ex-husband, in the same week. Um, like, truly a master at work. Um, I feel but- like the fact that she was robbed of an Oscar nomination in Hustlers actually was good for her because she was just like, fuck everything. And, like, she's doing her own thing now. I love it. She is truly on a, a plane that I can only hope to one day achieve. It's um, olive oil, Brian. <laughs> just olive oil. Um, but my, uh, just to continue the tradition of, uh, or the trend that we have going this week of um, giving medals to people who could possibly give us sponsored content to do for them in terms of ads, my <laughs> medal of the week goes to Casey Blois, which is a name you may not have heard, but whose work you are definitely familiar with. Um, Casey is the head of programming at HBO Max, which I feel has pulled the ultimate slam dunk this week on, I believe it was Thursday of last week. Uh, they did what no one else could do, not Netflix, not NBC Universal, and they somehow got every one of the friends to stop what they were doing, you know, put that plastic surgery on pause, uh, you know, not take a, uh, a, a bit role in an obscure indie comedy like Lisa Kudrow. Um, and get together and hang out with James Corden. Truly bleep that name. We're not saying it in Pride Month. Uh, <laughs> we as gay people have the right to end James Corden's career. Um, and then in case that wasn't enough, uh, in case the, the fanfare around all six friends getting together, they ended it with shutting the app down because of so much traffic on Sunday for the mayor of Easttown finale. Now I have not watched mayor of Easttown, but I have been pressured to watch mayor of Easttown by many, many, many people, which is crazy Mm -hmm. because those are the same people who have spent all year, like the entire last year saying all cops are bastards and are now telling me to watch a procedural HBO drama in which Kate Winslet plays a cop who steals heroin (laughs) from the evidence lockup and plants it on a recovering addict to help her get ahead. The idea that my boy Casey and the talents of one Miss Kate Winslet could get all of these people to temporarily have amnesia and be like, no, I'm all in on this cop drama. I don't care if she's crooked. She's, she's seen some trauma. She's good at basketball. Like, shout out to you, Casey. You gave me the flight attendant over Christmas during the dark days of COVID. I look forward to seeing how, what you will give me next. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Gary Aturio, for being yes. on the show. Yeah, stick around next week. Thanks, Remy, See you guys for later. shrugging your way into a medal with distinction. <laughs> <laughs> you could do it, too. Hey! <laughs> Bye. Bye. See you next week.